Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Ecclesiastes 7, verse number 1, the Bible says a good name is better than precious ointment. The day of death than the day of one's birth, which is a peculiar phrase. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. The living will lay it to his heart the living will lay it to his heart tonight for a little while i want to talk to us just along these lines that is this everybody say first the kingdom first the kingdom amen let's pray right now father i come to you tonight pray god that you would adequately help me here this evening I could just be a servant, Lord Jesus, in your hands. Oh, Jesus, sweet Holy Ghost, blow into this house. God, we need you, Lord, in the next few moments. God, however long, Lord Jesus, you would desire, Lord God, for this to be in order to illustrate. God, what I feel, Lord Jesus, in my heart this evening, I'll thank you and I'll praise you for it. The lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening first. First, the kingdom. Taking in a, um, just a little visual of my audience tonight, I, I will preface about what I'm about ready to talk about is in no means in disregard to anything that anyone has experienced in the past few months or at this time of year in particular. I could stand up here myself because I am going to touch the subject matter a little bit of death. And uh, I know that this is a time of year when people have lost loved ones, whether it be currently or a year or two from that, that that can be sensitive. I stand in those shoes. Uh, right here having lost a grandfather just a year ago four for us last year around this time and but I I feel important tonight to go to these scriptures and you have heard me state in times past concerning this phrase of how the day of a death is better than the day of one's birth and along with that I would dare to say this and I am not trying to be morbid but I'm just trying to let you have a kind of bird's eye view from me and that is I would personally rather attend a, a funeral than I would a wedding I would rather preach a funeral than I would do a wedding and I don't know what the real concept behind all that is except that with a wedding or even with the start or the commencement of two lives together, there are a lot of can be false pretenses that are there. All you have at that moment is the giddiness of two people in love and hopefully it's founded on something more than surreal but real. And you'll just see played out as the days to come. In contradistinction to that, at a funeral, 
you have a life that's already lived all their years. And so in those moments, you are not like at a wedding thinking what may be concerning these two together, but you're looking at some very definites of what was. And so the Bible says that the death of an individual is a day of celebration. It's better than one's birth because at one's birth, you cannot see the accomplishments, only the dreams for what you wish that child to accomplish. The aspirations that you may have for its life. But at one's end, you see what they have accomplished. You see what has taken place. And so Ecclesiastes Solomon is writing to us who, if there was ever a man that studied life in and of itself, he did. His whole book of Ecclesiastes is basically attributed to his study of life, humans, his human study of life and what it had to offer and he went to the hilt to, to stretch it in every direction of what it could be or what it was. He even said that a man's pursuit of this human life is just like chasing the wind. So if you were to ever get your hands around it, it's something that you can. It's always eluding and being very obscure from you. And he comes to tell us then that it's better to go to a house of mourning, or if you will, a funeral, a dirge, than it is to the house of feasting because when it's said and done, all men, women, children, it matters not who we are or race or nationality, our finality will be there as well at the end. And he said, and it's good in so much that the living will lay it to his heart, meaning that whenever we attend these types of things, and you've heard me say it before, you cannot enter into arenas like that without being contemplative about your own life, about your own life. It's at that moment that instead of relishing in whatever may be happening in the day, you're looking down a long road concerning your day and your time. And it causes you to be very contemplative. I've been kind of in that mode today, a little contemplative with reason, this, by, by most regards, for people sitting in this place, it may not uh, really mean or have any impact on you, but uh, in the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a young person, an apostolic crusader, who this past Sunday uh, was on his way to church, age of 19 years old. His name was Dallas Martin, and uh, he lost his life in an accident. 19 years old. If you're connected to social media, you've probably seen it, although you may not know him personally whatsoever. There are some in here that do know him personally. That he was killed in an automobile accident on Sunday on his way to church. 19 years old. 19 years old. I start to think about that, but that's almost half my life. Almost half of my life. And for being a young man, I think we would by most standards declare him to be a young man by being a young man, though, he has left a very large footprint for his life of just 19 years. My understanding from reading and talking to others, there were thousands upon thousands at his visitation. The line stretched, they said, for a quarter of a mile. Social media, if you've been on there, been blown up. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, every other thing known unto man has been blown up with how he has personally affected and impacted their life. If it was just a smile or if it, 
If it was his music ability, he was a musician. He could play the guitar, the bass, the drums, the piano, the organ. He could play all these different things. He was a preacher. He was a preacher. His pastor said today, I walked home into my uh, uh, house at lunchtime and my wife, they were periscoping, which is a live broadcast of the funeral. And so she had it on. And so I sat there and ate today listening uh, to all the different eulogies and all the different words and accolades that were being spoken. He was a preacher. His pastor said that his sermons were fueled and very much so tied to the word of God. They were Bible-based, biblical preaching that this young man had done. Interestingly, though, they shared some items that off of his bucket list. He had a bucket list, you know, something that you wish to achieve uh, before you exit this life. And a few things that were on his bucket list were these. He wanted to be able to play as a musician at both our National Youth Convention and our General Ministry Conference, which is our national conferences in the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has done both in his 19 years, checked it off of his bucket list. He also wanted to preach before thousands of people. Bishop Carpenter said today with all the blow up on social media here and there, he said that he has successfully done that. He preached probably by his life, has preached more thousands than he could ever in a conference setting. One of his things on his bucket list was to someday be the general superintendent of the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bishop Carpenter today at his funeral had his parents stand and he said, I want to decree that this particular day, and he had something for them, that we are making Dallas Martin an honorary general superintendent of the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I sat there, and there were several different individuals that spoke Several different people that said something. And whenever I look all across Facebook and social media, I see all these things that are being spoken and said. And there's something that I believe grabbed my attention in a 19-year-old lifespan, and that was this. Almost everything that was said or mentioned had nothing to do with just the practical things of this life, but they had to do with a life that was beyond here ambitions to play and use talents and abilities for God ambitions to preach and preach to the biggest crowds that he could possibly preach to and one day be the leader of our organization it all centered around the idea of things that concerned if I may the kingdom I don't see one place where he ever said, and I'm not knocking this, but I'm just trying to get us to think here this evening. I don't see anywhere it said where they said, well, he really wanted to be a NASCAR driver or he wanted to score 50 points in a basketball game or he wanted to uh, own a Corvette by the age he was 25. No, but it was all these things that concerned the life of a spiritual context rather than just a earthly context and so with that I believe there is contemplation that should take place for you and I that if in 19 years of life there could be these type of spiritual achievements in 19 years of life as a preacher as a person today it makes me look at 38 years of life and ask myself the question have I invested more in kingdom things or in secular things even beyond the idea there wasn't nothing there speaking of some humanitarianism that he worked in the soup kitchen every third Thursday of the month and he served food, although that would have been a generous thing to do, but more though so than that, it was kingdom things. 
And so with that being said tonight, there is a verse of scripture then that comes to my mind of Matthew 6 and verse number 33 when Jesus was having a intimate, if you will, discussion with his disciples up on the mountain. And this is what he spoke to them. And it starts with a very contrasting word. The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Our Lord was doing a masterful teaching in Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter number six is a part of that which is called the Sermon on the Mount. And he hits all kinds of different areas of importance in the Sermon on the Mount. But in Matthew chapter number six, some of the first things that he begins to talk about with his disciples is along the lines, and it's like the Lord goes and he starts dealing with some things that he believed would be true of his disciples and leads to something that he believes would be lesser true for his disciples. And whenever he starts, he basically says, when you, when you give, he said, don't do it as the hypocrites do. That walk in and say, there's my hundred dollars and make an announcement to the people of what it is that you give. He says, when you give. Notice he didn't say if you give. He said, when you give. He was talking to his disciples, and he felt like he was working on something that they may deal with to something that they would less deal with. So when you give, don't, don't be like he said, the hypocrites. He was contrasting how they should do it by contrasting how the hypocrites do it. And he said, for they have their reward. Then he said, later on, he said, do, do. He said when you pray, when you pray, talking to us, not if, but when you pray. Again, he said, don't do it like the hypocrites do. Making long, repetitious prayers in the public just to be heard of men. Don't do it like that. When you pray, don't do it like the hypocrites do it. And again, he tells them, because they have their reward. To his disciples, he said, when you fast. Not if, disciples, but when. When you fast. Again, you read it. He said, don't do it like the hypocrites do it. Come walk around with a long face just because you're waiting for someone to say, what's wrong with you? Well, I'm fasting. Don't, don't do it like the hypocrites are doing it. He said, when, when you fast, when you give, when you pray, don't do it like the hypocrites because they have their reward. And so I believe he started with some elements where there could be some problems from the, the, the important to perhaps the lesser of what he thought may impact and affect them to what may be less impactful or less effective for them that they would contend with because from there he moves to a place with his disciples and basically tells them, boys, he said, if you're going to lay up treasure and everybody lays up treasure, he says, if you're going, it wasn't if you are, but it was since you're going to lay up treasure. Because every person that walks in shoe leather upon the face of the earth lays up treasure. He says, since you're going to lay up treasure, just be sure that you lay your treasure not upon the earth where rust can corrupt or where that can be stolen. He said, but lay your treasure up in the heavenlies where rust has no impact and it cannot be stolen. So he's saying it's not if you do treasure. Everybody does treasure. It's just about where you put your treasure. It's about where you place your treasure. It's where the emphasis is, where, where you hide it, where you regard it, where you stockpile your treasure. And so, so no doubt he's dealing with the giving and the fasting and the prayer because no doubt his disciples 
when they should be doing that. And he goes to something a little lesser if you're having, you've got treasure going for it, but just to make sure that's right as well, put it somewhere well, where it won't corrupt and put it somewhere where it won't be stolen. And then he moves to another secondary matter, a platform for all this. Then he told them, hey boys, nobody can serve two masters. He's starting where it might be close, and he's back. He, he's thinking, if anything, I've got him here with the first few verses. These other things, maybe I'll just catch a few because there's probably going to be a l- less likelihood of my disciples struggling with this two-master thing than they will with how they're offering prayers and how they're doing their... He says, no man can serve two masters. He'll either love the one and hate the other. He'll hate the one and he'll love the other. It cannot happen. And so, is everybody all right? And so in all this, he he begins to describe to them. He says, I understand that you're living a real life. We all live in a real life. I I know it's not Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, seven days a week. We're not always in here every day for worship and preaching and service. So I understand you, you, you have a real life. As a matter of fact, your idea of life, and this was their idea of life according to Matthew 6, you believe life consists of these things. <laughs> I wish it just consisted of these things. These things, what to eat and what to drink. Maybe for some people that's all I consist of. But nevertheless, what to eat and what to drink. He says, and you have another consideration. He says it's your body. Their consideration that the Lord was relaying concerning the body was what to put on. Now, that might have been more of a female problem. I don't know, but nevertheless. What to wear. What to put on. And what he relayed to them was this. He said, that may be your idea. Life is eat and drink. He said, but I got to tell you that life is greater than just what you eat and what you drink. Life is just greater than what you regard life to be. That's the base of it. They regard it as eat and drink. He's saying life is greater than than what you regard life to be. Because you, we could get a dozen, maybe, maybe not since I've already set a platform here, but we could get a dozen different theories tonight about what is the essence of life. If we didn't have all this staged up here right up front and I could get in a dark closet with you and ask you, we might get some honesty about what the essence of life is to you. What Christ was saying in this moment with the disciples is this, whatever you regard the essence of life to be, it's greater than that. It's greater than that. He says, whatever you regard here for the body, they said close. He said the body, it's greater than that. And he goes through this little scenario talking about the fowl of the air, how the Lord feeds them, and how that life is greater than the fowls. And if that's the case, won't God take care of you if he takes care of the fowls? He tells them how God has clothed the lilies of the valley and how even Solomon in all of the splendor of his glory was not arrayed like a lily. God clothed the lilies of the, of the valley and how that the body is greater than the lilies. And if that's the case, won't God take care of clothing you? And he tells them then, take no thought for what you'll eat. Take no thought for what you'll drink. Don't take no thought for your life, if you will. Take no thought for your clothes. Take no thought for your body. And so he's been making these contrasts between the disciples and the hypocrites, between this idea of having two masters, between the idea of earth and heaven treasures, and then he comes to those verses of 32 and 33 where he states in verse number 32 these words. He says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. 
the Gentiles that have no covenant with God, the Gentiles that are by and large at this stage in life known as the unsaved, those that don't have no lineage with Christ, those that have not the blessing of Christ. He said, after all of these things, the life, the body, the eat, the drink, the clothes, all these things do the Gentiles seek. He said, but your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need of. He knows that you have need of all these things. You, you, you're tired, you eat, you drink, and he contradicts, not contradicts, but he contrasts in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. He says, the Gentiles, those that are not even in covenant with me, are seeking after these things. He says, but you, who are my disciples, that I have called, that I've called out to be a follower of me, a purporter of the things that I purport, he said, seek ye the kingdom of God. Seek that kingdom first. He says, if the Gentiles are identified as seeking all of these things, then those that are followers of me need to be distinct from they are. If all they do is go after all these things, then my people's got to go something beyond just these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Can someone say amen? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Fill your life first with the things concerning the kingdom. Whenever we understand that, the word seek means this, to seek in order to find or to strive after, to crave or to desire, to actively pursue or go after it. That's more than just a haphazardly look for it some days and not other days. He was talking about a continuously craving for first the kingdom of God, having a desire toward first continually the kingdom of God, actively pursuing, actively going after the kingdom of God. Amen. Folks, here is a problem, I believe, in our society today. And John Eldridge, I believe, I quote him and he said it well. He said, our problem is that we've grown quite used to seeking life in all kinds of things other than God. All kinds of things other than God. Seek his kingdom first. That's firstly in time, firstly in place, firstly in order, and firstly in importance. Seek the kingdom of God first. But lives many times are lived, and I say this, and I've said this before, I know, that many times we plan for a lifetime, but we should live each day for the moment. Live each day for the moment. The psalmist David said in Psalms 90 and verse 12, he said, teach us to number our days. Why? That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Why? So that we can live our lives appropriately. So that we can live our lives rightly. Amen. I don't want to just spend it chasing the wind. Amen. Solomon, in all of his grandeur and glory, when the Lord came to him and he was to be the next king over Israel, he told Solomon, he said, Ask of me what I shall give thee. Ask of me of what I shall give thee. Solomon pondered long and hard. He asked for an understanding heart, what we denote to be wisdom. He asked for wisdom from the Lord. The Lord spoke back to him and said, You asked a good thing that you asked of an understanding heart, that you asked of wisdom. He said, You did not ask for wealth whenever you approached me. He said, you did not ask for honor whenever you approached me. He said, you didn't even ask for long life 
whenever you approach me. But you asked for wisdom or an understanding heart. And he says, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom, he says, I'm going to give you riches. And since you asked for wisdom, I am going to give you honor. And since you asked for wisdom, if you'll walk according to my commandments and my ways, I am going to give you a long life upon this earth because you asked for wisdom. What was so big in Solomon asking for wisdom? Because another writer, Solomon, said in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As we've seen on Sunday, we're talking about a reverence for God. Then is the beginning of wisdom. So whenever Solomon said, Lord, give me an understanding heart or let me be wise, he was saying, God, let me have the type of reverence I need towards you and the things of you and of your kingdom. What was he saying? God, help me to put first the kingdom of God. And then according to scripture, all these other things, wealth and riches and even long life and honor was given back unto Solomon. Someone say amen. The Bible teaches us in Luke chapter number 12. There is a story there of a man who is very successful according to the standards, no doubt, of that day. Very successful. Luke 12 and verse number 16. It's a parable. The Bible says that Christ, he spake a parable unto them. And this was the parable saying that of a certain rich man, he brought forth plentifully. What a blessing. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So we're looking at a man that has spent his years thus far being productive, has some plentiful fruit, insomuch that it's filled up his capacity to hold them. And so the purpose of him building bigger barns was to fill his life more after the same sort with the works and the rotting of his own hand. God said, you fool, your soul is going to be required of you this night. Your motive for bigger barns were for things of the earth rather than making bigger barns so you could fit more of the kingdom of God. He said, and your soul is required of you this night. Someone say amen. This is a life tonight. It's life. That's life, whether life is 100 years, life 50 years, life 19 years. This is life. This is life. We go through life, and according to what we put first, will determine a lot what is said at the end of life. A Matthew 6, 33 disciple that got the message of Jesus hopefully leaves that day putting first the kingdom of God. And so as we live life kingdom-minded first, then we add kingdom things. We're faithful 
to God. We're faithful to God's house. We're faithful to tithing to the Lord. Matter of fact, all through Scripture, God is a God of first. He has the first of the, the first of the flock, the first of the livestock, the first of the money, the first of the crop, the firstborn. All these firsts that we're giving to God. And so uh, it's just kingdom-minded stuff to be put the kingdom first. Loyalty to your pastor. Soul winning. Prayer. All these kingdom things. I'm putting the kingdom first. It's first in time. It's first in in. in Order. It's first in place. It's first in importance. I, I put fasting in there. That's a that's a kingdom thing, and I, I want to put that first. I I, I want to put some some Bible reading in there. I want to place that first inside of my life. I I also have. You know, whenever I start putting all these kingdom things in there, maybe I'm a Sunday school teacher. Maybe, maybe I'm a worshiper. I'm putting all these kingdom things in my wife. My life. Look, man, it's very fulfilled. It's a worthwhile life. That is a full life of kingdom things. And that is great and wonderful. As a matter of fact, to an outsider that does not believe the, or does not understand rather the kingdom principle says they got their life so full of kingdom things they are no good for any earthly things. But that's not the case. They put kingdom things in there first. And when you do kingdom things first, you still have room for other things. You still can go on family vacation. Nothing wrong with that at all. You can go on family vacation and you can still have a prayer life. You can go on family vacation and you can go even to the school programs of your kids and you can still be a Sunday school teacher at the church. Everybody doing okay? You, you, you can still have daddy-daughter dates. And son-mom dates, you don't have to miss church over that because you put church in there first. Just because I filled my life with kingdom things does not mean I don't have room for other secondary things because the principle of the first being the kingdom is a principle that God wrote, not man. And he said, if you put the kingdom first, all these other things, Food, raiment, whatever the list may be, he said, it'll be added unto you. Look at all that, folks. There's still room for, for other things. There's still room to, man, you could just name it. There's still room to, 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 to add on your house. Mm -hmm. There's still room to add on your house. I'll just throw this one in here for good measure. There's still room to sleep. Why are you saying that, Brother McGee? Because I had people tell me, oh, the alarm went off late, and so I didn't come. Set three alarms. Well, Pastor, once I have all these kingdom things, and I, I add in just a little few, few baloney. When I add in the little few other things I can get in there, there is room for nothing else in life. There's no time for anything else after that. Well, you know what? There is. There is. 
After you, whenever you put the kingdom first and you can add, you can add your daddy-daughter dates and your family vacation and all of that and you, you can add a room on the house and have school functions, you can still have room for your hobbies. You can still go hunting and fishing and golfing. Uh-huh. You can still clean your garage on the weekend. Maybe not the things you really want to do, but there's still room for them. You can still go yard selling, Brother Pat, as long as you don't forget to read your Bible before you go. You can restore the old car, Brother Fred. The old truck, you can do that as long as you don't forget your fast day during the week. Talking about first the kingdom. Mm-hmm. First the kingdom. You didn't even take your wife on today. That was really at the middle level it should have been. <laughs> Not trying to get in trouble. You can mow the lawn. Seriously. My Saturday was full. So Sunday I had to stay home and mow the lawn. Because work starts back on Monday. You can still have the kingdom. Still have a daytime with your wife on Saturday. And mow the lawn. Because I put the kingdom first. Look at all these things you can add. You, can, you, could, you could even goof off and take a nap in the hammock in the backyard. Because you put the kingdom first. 50 years, 19 years. That's great when you put the kingdom first and knocking stuff over. Life again. Life all over again. But in this life, I like to spend a lot of time. I put first all of my extracurricular activities first. Watching the games, going to the games doing all my hobbies and the cleaning of the garage and mowing my lawn. Mm-hmm. My yard selling. I go to church maybe twice on Sunday, so I'm okay to skip praying and read my Bible today. My hobbies, you only live once in this life. How many times I've heard the saying, you only live once, so you might as well do what you want to do. Let me say something here. You can live life and do what you want to do. And in the afterlife, you can live where you wish you didn't. So I want to do my yard sale and I want to restore the car. And you know what? Man, I want to take all the family vacations every other weekend and a daddy-daughter dates. You know, those are important, so you should sacrifice Sundays with them if you got to. School functions. You know, they put those on Sunday now. God help me. I might be setting the stage here, but we weren't allowed to participate 
kids growing up. When they were going to be problematic for church because mom and dad was trying to teach us a principle. First, the kingdom. Now, I've done all of my nice little deeds here. Now, God, I got time to pray. Hold on. This is life right here. Look how much harder it is to fit the kingdom things in when you prioritize them as last rather than first. Is everybody doing okay? Here's something even more sobering. You thought life for you was maybe going to be 75 years. What if it cuts off at 19 like Dallas Martin? What did life consist of? We go over here. If life went off at 19 years for this individual, you know what's below that line? Kingdom things. Daddy-daughter dates, school functions, hobbies, hunting, fishing, all included in that lifetime because first, the kingdom of God. God, he said, the guy in Luke 12, he said, let me build a bigger barn. This is probably his life over here. Let me build a bigger barn. Lord said, your problem is you built the barn for more stuff like this. Your purpose for building a bigger barn wasn't for kingdom things. It was for more stuff like this. Your motive's wrong for bigger. Bigger for you is more of what you've already got. He said it'd been a bit different if you wanted bigger for kingdom, but you wanted bigger for the earthly. And as the saying goes, and oft times is, folks, we are so quick to sacrifice the important for the urgent. Esau found himself in a similar mode. I'm at the point of death. I'm hungry. Give me some of that porridge you got. Give me some of that soup. And he sacrificed the important, the birthright, the double portion, the authority in the family for a momentary gratification of the moment. He could not reverse it. He could not get it back because what he had at the moment was urgent and he considered that more valuable than what was important. The important is kingdom things. Now, isn't it amazing how it works that when you get the kingdom things right, you still have time, you still have resources, time, resources, strength, energy for all these other things. But when you throw all your strength and energy in all these other things and you say, I'll get to it when I, you don't have time for kingdom things. Point in case just today, I received a phone call from someone 
asking for prayer in the family. No one knows who this is because I didn't pass it on. Asking for prayer in their family. And I said, well, I'll just, okay, we'll pray. I'll see you at church. Well, what time is it? I said, it's 530. Well, I was going to make another run to Walmart. I plan on being there. They are not here. What is that? I know I'm being a little bowed. What is that? Another run to Walmart? That's salt. They even told me they probably didn't have to do it right now. That's salt. But church tonight, no room for it. I asked myself the question as I was sitting there eating my lunch today and concerning Dallas Martin. And I asked myself the question, Brother Fred, this question was that, my, that I asked myself. I wonder how much so the story would have been different if Dallas Martin wasn't on his way to church and got in an accident and he was on his way some other place frivolous instead of church. How would that set the tone of the funeral service? If instead of church, he was going somewhere frivolous when he could have tucked that somewhere else. I'm just asking. First, the kingdom. Stand with me. I already went longer than what I wanted to go. The kingdom. If you're searching for the kingdom, you'll be searching for the king of the kingdom. Every kingdom has a king. As a matter of fact, the word kingdom there in the scripture means to rule or reign over a kingdom. In other words, they were seeking for the rule and the reign of the reigner of the kingdom. He's, in other words, when they were saying seek first the kingdom, they were seeking first for the rule and the reign of the king of that kingdom in their life. Seek that first. All these other things will be added unto you. And I've made a mess up here with some salt. David said, Lord, one thing have I desired. Just one. One thing have I desired. He said, and that have I sought for. To be in your presence. He said, to inquire at your temple. That's what, I've, that's what I've sought for. So I'm asking us this evening in the close of this, this little Wednesday night Bible study illustration. Whenever life is over and we're sitting at your funeral and it's causing us to ponder our own lives, is that going to be you? that are you going to live your life in such a way that at your eulogy you'll make those who are still living to ponder their own life is it this or is it this well that was a short life it can be a short life and still filled with kingdom things
Let's bow our heads in this place here this evening. Oh, God. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.